Hi, I'm Mandy. And I'm Heather. And this is our producer, Kayleen. Hi there. We're so glad you're here. Here's the thing. You have uncomfortable storylines in your life. We are creating a space for vulnerable storytellers to open up about growth and refinement. You deserve the same relationship with grace because it is so much more than a Bible buzzword. Welcome to Uncomfortable Grace. Welcome back, everybody. Thank Woo-hoo! you for listening. This is Mandy Capehart. I'm here with my co-host, Heather Converse. Hi, Heather. Hi, girl. Welcome back. Been, it's only been a minute since we got to talk because we just recorded and we're coming up on our final episodes of season one. How do you feel about that? No, it's good. It's <laughs> going by too fast. It's a blur. It's like, I want to revisit the episodes. I mean, we have to have, we have to like carve out some time to like get those back out there because there was so much that we learned Mm-hmm. from um, recording these podcasts and I, I think that that's valuable and there's so there was just so much there was so much raw so yeah I'm a little bit sad but excited for the next session I agree yeah we had definitely had some very very good interviews and really intentional and like you said raw conversations with people that I think surprised us which that's a big deal. We went into this, you know, ready for intense, uncomfortable conversations and preparing our guests and ourselves. And, and I still feel very honored and thankful Aww. for how people opened up and it's going to be, it's going to be hard to let it sit, but I'm excited to see what it turns into in season two as well. So. Right. It kind of reminds me when you get like enthralled with the next Netflix uh, show and like the beginning from the end yeah. like like the, the beginning is so clunky and like like okay I love the storyline blah blah yeah. blah but am I gonna really really just veg on this and like watch this the whole time and then it just pulls you in so my hope is that um that that will be the next the next season of this episode Um, Yeah, I I agree. I love that because I'll start a show and be like, um, okay, (laughs) I love three of these characters and I am already committed to them in my heart. So I sure hope this storyline lasts a while and goes well. (laughs) And I feel that way about- We are grateful for your hope in us and we love you guys. Yes, for real. Okay, so today we are talking about grace and coaching because you and I are both life coaches. I'm a certified life and grief coach and you focus on executive coaching. And yeah, executive and startup businesses. Right. Uh, I've done a lot of success coaching, which is kind of intermingled with career and um, entrepreneurship and life, which is like a weird blend, but yeah. But it's a fascinating blend that has you in high demand and creating incredible opportunities in people. And I think it's, I think this is a wonderful conversation for us to have because 
It is, but more importantly, like after going through the pandemic um, and feeling a little bit isolated mm. as a nation, and then, you know, as like our little sub communities that we've, a lot of us experienced some huge loss. And mm-hmm. I think it wasn't um, like a, like a happenstance or like a coincidence that you um, had this skill set in you, Mandy, like just being a grief coach, it's such a necessary, a necessary need out there right now, specifically. And recently you were interviewed by uh, Reese Keller. Oh, I love Reese. Oh, it went great. So Reese is a friend I met on Twitter. He's an author as well. And I think we bonded over the Enneagram because he's mm. a three and you know, I love three, seven and eights. Any of the aggressive numbers, I'm like, let's talk about everything. So anyhow, um, but we started out talking about the podcast. He wanted, was kind of asking Twitter if he should start one and if anybody had insight. And I just said, yeah, I'll talk to you about how we went, how it went for us. And um, we ended up having a really wonderful conversation. He learned that I'm a grief coach. He learned that I'm, you know, a writer in t- on top of podcasting and leading Women's Fight Night and doing writing a book and all these different things. And so we had a really, really good conversation um, for his website. It's a, oh a my gosh, interview. he was so kind in his interview, and he. Mm-hmm. He has all the questions I would have wanted him to ask about my friend <laughs> who is just multifaceted and um, super valuable in my life. And mm. not to, I mean. No, you just, can go on. Just, go ahead. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to speak for all the people, but specifically my own life. Um, mm. I, I know one thing I thought was super fascinating and I love the way you answer this question. He asked you, what are the differences that you see or feel in the uncomfortable grace podcast now compared to when it was first launched? And I was like, Ooh, what is she going to say? Right. And your reply was so powerful and paraphrasing of course, but um, it was along the lines of sharing how you're a stronger interviewer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was in your guts anyways, but wow, mm-hmm. for you to, um, share that you've learned how to listen to subtext, um, how to, op- how to ask, I'm sorry, open ended questions, mm-hmm. uh, without, oh my gosh, this is so good without inserting your opinion something I think most of us all struggle with. And lastly, uh, the reason why we even launched this podcast was inviting vulnerability by building trust prior to the interview. You'd mentioned these skills were required for a great podcast, but I've seen how these strongly um, carry over into your coaching skill set. in your, in your grief business? Well, yeah, without question, those are all things that translate really well, which I think is the only, I think that is the thread of grace that runs through all these different projects, right? That Mm. having the humility to show up, not offer my opinion, but just offer 
an opportunity to have someone share where they're at, to give them space, um, to listen to what they're not saying, to know how to draw people out of themselves and get them to answer their own questions and maybe find something new in themselves that those, those skills have always been something I valued and absolutely the podcast highlighted, you know, my training. I went to school to be a journalist way however long ago and never followed through with it just for some lots of reasons, but being able to come full circle and recognize I've always highly valued story. I deeply value humanity and watching growth occur in someone, especially someone who maybe doesn't believe that it's possible for them or maybe has this fatalistic mindset for whatever reason, wherever it came in, right? Whether it was how they were raised or something that happened to them, feeling like, oh, life happens to me and I have no ability to change it or influence it. Um, When I meet those people, I'm so encouraged because of the fact that, not that I know better for them, but because I've experienced the opposite to be true for so many people, whether it's clients or just people in my life. Um, I think that there's great value in humbly showing up for people who are like, well, everything is awful and I, you know, I'm never going to make it or I'm never going to. But more importantly, you have had your own um, experience and process and grief. And as an observer, as somebody who has that skill of listening and not necessarily applying their opinion, because you know how, how, um, inadvertently that can, it can, it can, it can just like make those wounds a little bit, like just when they're starting to heal, you're like, ah, like, yeah. I know it wasn't intentional, but man, I, if there was any way I could coach people on how to, um, apply or show up in a compassionate way without, um, you know, being presumptuous or, you know, I don't know, you tell me because, because you're the one that's like, yeah, well, what you just said is, is a lot of what I cover in the restorative grief project, which is my Mm -hmm. online private coaching group um, for grievers and people wanting to learn how to support grievers better, um, which quite frankly is all of us. And I I read something a while ago that just struck me as if you don't understand what, why grief is so heavy for so long, thank your lucky stars that you don't know yet. And it was, it, it was the yet that, that I related to so intimately because I've experienced so much loss. And, you know, last March, when we went into this shutdown for the pandemic, my gut reaction was, I was watching the news and thought our globe, but specifically because I can influence my region, (laughs) our globe is now in unacknowledged grieving patterns that we're going to, if we're not careful, just stuff them for the next 40 years, for the next few generations, we're just going to stuff this. Wait, say that one more time. Oh my gosh, please. Yeah, when we, when I saw the pandemic was coming, I just realized, you know, as a globe and especially in our region, but everywhere, we are about to experience unacknowledged grief for the next generation. And, and we, we go through it because um, ambiguous grief or disenfranchised grief, meaning things that people don't necessarily find worthy 
of attention to grief um, is super common, Um, especially when it comes to, I mean, speaking of the pandemic, how many times or have you witnessed or heard someone say, oh, but you don't know anyone who's died of COVID, right? Just this this assumption, like you were saying, of well, why are you grieving? What what do you have to be sad about? And I think part of my work has been, a lot of it has been helping people acknowledge what platitudes are, how damaging they are, um, what centering is. This idea that we, in an effort to relate to someone, we inadvertently put the attention on our story, trying to say, hey oh, you had a miscarriage. Oh, I've had like seven miscarriages. You're going to be okay. Instead of holding space for the people who are being vulnerable and willing to open up. And so this um, last March, I decided, well, let's get certified as a grief coach. I've been working with people in grief for a very long time and speaking about it frequently as well. But um, I also started writing my memoir slash guidebook on processing grief in the context of the church, Big C Church. You're right? almost done. Are you done? We're almost done with that? <gasps> it's actually, it's done. It's not, oh my gosh. Yeah. not published yet, but I'm waiting yeah. on a couple of final um, formatting um, things to come through. But all the content is finished and mm. the cover is designed and all this stuff. So it's, it's very close. My hope is June. Um, but yeah, I just, how it just flows so genuinely and accurately out of your heart. Like mm-hmm. I always say, like, if you have heart intelligence, you have, mm-hmm. you have mental toughness. Yeah. Um, but not like in the, not, they don't, they're not one in the same. Right. It's just like, I, I've, I've always seen, seen you lead with that heart intelligence first, always aware of and sensitive to what somebody's going through in the moment and I just love that uh, you get to like I get to read about it from your perspective Mm, thank you it's something I've definitely had to cultivate I mean you said it I think it was earlier off the recording but this um, propensity that we have especially when we're younger but at any age really to just talk over people and try to insert our opinion and (laughs) make sure that make sure that we are heard because we carry so much wisdom and we have such great ideas and we've solved problems. It's just diminishing of the other person's experience of their life story that has just as much value and importance and need to be validated, but not even validated. Actually, that's not the word. And everybody's story has a need to be expressed and treated with dignity. And I think that that's where coaching, especially grief coaching has been such a powerful and difficult arena to choose. Um, Because the other side of that, right? We know, I mean, coaching is runs the gamut, right? On pricing, it can be tens of thousands of dollars for private executive business coaching it can be $25 for a one-off session with a life coach to you know set whatever goal you're setting it's so broad and but yet the remarkable val- business people they need they haven't there's a lot of them that don't even realize that they're they're in a grieving pattern right uh, and a lot of times that's how they get stuck in their right. in the realm yeah 
Well, and that's why for me as a grief coach, writing this book, knowing I'm putting so much of what I do with clients, right, in this book, which is amazing to me because I never want, my heart as a grief coach is to make the literacy around grief accessible and remove as many barriers as possible. So do I want to sell my book? Yes. Am I going to give away copies of it? Yes. Have I been doing cooks? Full disclosure, I haven't made any money grief coaching in the last year because uh, that's not true. I've made a tiny bit, but I keep part of it. You could say like, oh, that's my heart of just <laughs> wanting to be helpful and show up to people. But the other side of it is truthfully, I would rather help someone find some movement and feel even 1% more healthy in their mindset, in the way they approach their grief, in the way they treat themselves while they're grieving, than make 50 bucks off of somebody. And there are clients I have that have paid me and I, it's more than enough because what I'm, you know, this is not my primary source of income. Book is going to be a multi-list bestseller. I can see yes. it already. <laughs> That's my confidence. Oh my we'll see. I, saw, we'll I see. saw it too. I'm not, I'm totally co-signing on that vision. <laughs> Here's two visionaries colliding. Yeah. And, and mm. honestly, we're, we're, I'm so, I'm so grateful that I get to um, walk shoulder to shoulder mm. with you. And, and thank you for bringing so much clarification in that last, like, remark when you were um explaining how it's not necessarily your job to direct or provide solutions when that position of when people in that posture of grief um and not in the coaching world altogether it's like uh, a lot of the reasons people seek you out they're like oh we've never been introduced to this type of coaching style and so they're intrigued and I can see how it would be a little bit muddled. Like, as am I going to be counseled through this? Is this coaching? But and that's why people seek out coaches like you right. and with such a specific niche or niche. Right. Sorry, um, to begin with. But I believe that you are that we are experts <laughs> at drawing <laughs> out the very specific and necessary tools in the client that they mm-hmm. need navigate through their crisis or feelings of being stuck um whether that be in business career relationship and especially especially grief um to name a few yeah yeah the ability for someone to actually choose and my training is in cognitive behavioral technique right which is can be used in a kind of a take a toxic positivity bend, which is the complete and stark opposite of who I am as a person. <laughs> and I I am very careful when I say that only because I, I mean, even in the book, I talk yeah, about you it lost, a bit. You're so smart. Like it, the, I'm going to have to read that because <laughs> over my head, like so I kind idea, of get it, but I can't wait yes. to like really understand it at the level that oh. I'm sure presented in your book. Well, and the idea being the difference between coaching and um, maybe pursuing this positive, like positivity mindset. It's when I see um, this is going to alienate some people, but I am okay with that because we're here to be uncomfortable, Heather. Um, 
when I see the phrase good vibes only, I immediately pull back and check where I'm at as a person because Mm. there is no room in life. There is no guarantee in life. There has never been a time in life when only good vibes were present. And this idea that um, we can only hold one emotion at a time is misleading Mm. at best. It's just, so part of what I really love to work with people on is not to say, hey, go explode an area of your life and see if there's grief. Because mm. we've talked, I talk a lot of the times with clients who are like, well, I don't know if I'm grieving. I'm like, you might not be mm-hmm. feeling weighed down by grief right now. And that's great. Mm-hmm. You may be grieving something you're not aware of. And I'm happy to ask you some questions. And then you decide, because it would be really easy for me to say, you had a miscarriage you're grieving. But quite frankly, I was, um, this last year I read, I think I've said this before. I had a miscarriage in 20 at the beginning of 2020 and I was devastated. It was not okay for me. I was not okay for a very long time. Um, but I was reading, uh, becoming by Michelle Obama at the time. And in the book, she discloses that she had a miscarriage and her perspective on that and her loss was the complete opposite of mine. She was like, no, I'm fine. I'm moving on. But in the book, she even addresses that someone says something about grief to her. And she, that's where she says, no, it's not a big deal. I'm okay. And that alone told me, you see, I cannot project that an assumption that you having a miscarriage means you're grieving. Yeah. I can only ask you questions of, well, what's attached to that for you? What's your or system what's your framework what does your history look like because all of that is going to lead into what you're grieving so I think for me with when it comes bringing it so full circle back that um, cognitive behavioral techniques it's the idea that you can change your mind it's it's the growth mindset in a psychological framework right and it easily veers into toxic positivity. And I talk about this in the book. Um, there's a story when I was in college that I got a C on a paper or a test or something. And I was devastated because I didn't earn C's. But I remember vividly walking into like the, the um, student union and seeing a group of my friends and someone like some acquaintances and saying, just feeling heavy about it, feeling lamenting this C that I'd earned. And saying something like, oh, I can't believe I got to see. I'm so miserable. Not with this. I'm going to let it ruin my day because it's really not the type of person that I am just inherently. Just I need to express that I'm disappointed, that I'm frustrated. And this woman that I barely knew said something like, oh, my gosh, you're still passing. A C is no big deal. You're going to be fine. And then she quickly moved on. And I was like, that, that, that has stuck with me since I was 19 because He had no ability to hold space for me. It wasn't even her conversation. He did not have the capacity for whatever reason to allow me to feel heavy. Now you could easily say she was just trying to be nice and cheer me up and I'm reading into it. And that's entirely possible. But the point is when it comes to grief, it is my story to tell. It is not someone else's story dictate. It is not someone else's opportunity to tell me how I should be grieving and that is where I have found especially again in the big c church 
um, we struggle because we have an agenda, we have a schedule, we have programs to run, we have people, you know, services to lead and people to evangelize or, or, you know, serve, whatever it is that we've got agendas. And a lot of people just don't understand that if I am grieving, when you read a scripture to me, it makes me angry. <laughs> like, how can that be true? If you love Jesus or you love the Bible and then you hear a scripture while you're grieving and it doesn't bring you comfort. Well, there's lots of reasons. And so well, we're inherently intuitive people. So we know sure. sort of, I'm not saying we are hundred percent accurate. We know sort of, right. you know, kind of where they're coming from, you know, yeah. they're not trying to be dismissive intentionally. Right. Well, and, and that's we the beautiful that. part of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That we yeah. know no one. Okay. So this is a very broad statement that someone could easily disprove, but we know that people are not out trying to hurt us no, when exactly. we're grieving. Yep. It's a matter of, do I, as someone trying to encourage a griever, have the emotional capacity to take a step back and admit that I have nothing to offer them? Do I have the capacity to allow them to not be okay? Do I have the grace within me to say, I see you and this sucks. I have nothing to offer, but I'm here whenever you're ready. And you know what? That might be something that, you know, is part an an additional thing that you um, bring to your services and providing the partners to show up in this grieving part process. Because we do it now. Do you? That's so yeah. good. Yes, That's I do. So good. Of course so, you do. How did I'll I tell know? You, That's oh, I, don't. I mean, because I have a million things going at once. It's hard to keep track of, even for me. Yeah. Um, I will tell a friend of mine who uh, used to live here and she moved to the Midwest and I love her so much. She is one of the most straightforward. This is how I feel. Deal with it. Move on, people. The other day, she reached out to me and she said, I just need you to know, I think this is important for me to tell you. I was having a conversation with a friend. They told me about a loss and I started to share what I realized was a platitude and I stopped myself mid-sentence and I said, I'm so sorry. That was a platitude. Let me try again. And I corrected what I said. And my friend, she said, my friend stopped and unlocked and just opened up and thanked me for what I did. And so, and she said, I just think you need to know that what you're doing is, is real and tangible and actually making a difference in changing lives. And I thought that mm-hmm. I, I'm, I mean, I'm still so grateful she reached out because coaching isn't something that you necessarily get to see the outcomes of, right? Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not therapists. We're not long haul family members. We're not your new best friends. We are acute diagnoses coming in saying, what do you work? What's your goal? What do you want? Oh yeah. Tell me your story. Okay. Here's what I'm hearing you say. What do you think? What do you want to do with this? If, if you so, know who you are, where are you going? And then we, yeah. you know, it's up to them to follow up with us or. Yeah. And I love that you said that because I mean, you do tangibly love to see you know, like a, like a mama's heart. And I feel like you have a mother's heart always does, you know, to, to like see somebody fly and progress. 
-hmm. and um i love that that is part of what makes you so successful in your business but um i was gonna add that um gosh how do i say this gently <sighs> i know because this is so i'm telling you this is so much of your business um you definitely are a coach that that helps measure progress and helps people define their goals um and sometimes i don't think you even realize the value you bring to that situation what you carry when you walk into a room how you advance people when um it's just an inherent thing that you have and then you've honed that skill set. So thank you. Mm -hmm. that's, that's definitely my heart. I think this last year, giving myself the opportunity to stop serving someone else's vision, pursue what I want to do right more often, spend time alone more often. I think it gave me this fight to start recognizing myself differently in a way where I realized what you're saying. Like I love large groups of people, but to what end? Not to sit around and chat with all of them or make a thousand best friends. Oh. I love to walk into that group of people, hear their stories and catalyze them to something new. Catalyze, hear what they're asking for, hear what they're praying about, hear what they're dreaming of and ask hard questions that say, okay, but why not? Mm. What do you, do you want, do you actually want that? Because yeah, some of it is completely irrational. Of course, you have no control over if we're going to land on the moon and whether or not you get to be on the first, but also, are you sure you don't have any influence over that? Mm -hmm. If that's your dream, what's holding you back? And, yeah. and that's where I think it can, that's where I'm very careful about, you know, veering into positivity mindset away from, you know, head in the clouds, but feet on the ground, kind of a, kind of a mentality, like let's dream as big as possible and keep running while we're doing it. Yeah. Well, that's I think, what I think that can be a little bit discouraging for you because um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not honestly intentionally trying to promote you because I love you and <laughs> all the things that you do, but because you're advancing the boots to the ground, essentially, yeah. that's where, you know, as a visionary, we don't always get to see the fruit of that. Right. And um I know for me, and it's totally apples and oranges in the business <laughs> executive field, um, all the success in the world comes when the people know and understand and trust that they have the proper support in really advancing and, and, and pushing through. It's, it's kind of like they're breaking through where they felt stuck in yeah. their business and yeah. in their relationships. And it's, I'm, I'm trying not to dumb it down, but supplying that type of support and helping people navigate what's actually, what, they need to understand that they have what it takes. Right. And we're not going to look to our friends. <laughs> I mean, to an extent or, or our family members, like we need somebody, we definitely need somebody that hasn't right. been privy to our all the things in our life 
to give us some fresh eyes and fresh insight and really um, take on the role of shouldering, just going shoulder to shoulder with what they want to achieve in life. And um, again, like, I know that if you have, if, I know that it's the highest act of self-love that you can do is by hiring Mandy as your, not only <laughs> coach, no, I'm doing this. Like I'm totally doing, <laughs> it's not a plug. I have no agenda. It's so, it, it's like, it's so necessary to reach out to somebody like Mandy with the tools that she has, you guys. And, and I'll reiterate, it's the highest act of self-love you can do for yourself in this coming year. And so with that, I just want to ask you, Mandy, like, what's the best way for <laughs> of you with the, a woman that's so like sought after and so many irons in the fire and all the things, um, how can somebody get a hold of you to find out if they're actually even grieving or what, what, what they... You know, well, thank you. First of all, that means a lot. (laughs) So, thank you. Um, I I mean, my website and Instagram and Twitter, they're all Mandy Capehart. So, either at Mandy Capehart or MandyCapehart.com. And can you spell um, it? (laughs) Can you spell Capehart? I can spell it and I can put it in the show notes. It's M A N D Y Capehart is C A P E H A R T. Sorry, I didn't keep Smith. It would have been much easier to spell long term or to spell for people, but took took the K part because it's a fun one. Um, but yeah, I I spend a lot of time connecting with people on Twitter and on Instagram, just talking through. Well, and our Facebook group, um, the Restorative mm-hmm. Grief Project, is where we're doing active coaching um, in a group setting, and there's a nominal cost for that, but it's uh, a steal frankly one of my I have three admins that run that group with me and one of them was I was just asking for some feedback and he said do you understand that that cost to get access to you in the way that you give us access to you is deeply discounted we'll just say that and I was like thank you for hearing thank you for valuing that we're gonna we're changing that that's true I should probably the weekend's over because I might I might want to get some some yes. coaching from you yes. um, at a winer a local winery yes. here in the Approved. next week. we can do so, that okay awesome and then the last thing I'll say too about how to get a hold of me is um, yeah. restorative grief the book should be on Amazon mid June I can't believe I'm saying that because I've dreamed about this book for a long time and seeing it come to pass and seeing it. I've been sending it to a couple of people to say, hey, will you check that, you know, check the grammar, edit for me as a third or fourth set of eyes. And uh, if it's meaningful, send something back to me to put, to include. And I am so humbled. I cried at one of them today. It's, in, it's, it's, I can't even, I'm stuttering. It's so <laughs> hard to comprehend. So yeah, oh, that'll be not for your audience. We love you. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Uncomfortable Grace Podcast. Here we are inviting men and women who demonstrate great levels of self-compassion, risk, brave decision-making, and uncomfortable seasons to hold space for themselves and allow us to take a peek in at the process. Questions, comments, we'd love to hear from you. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Tell us your story. Find us on Instagram or shoot us an email at uncomfortablegracepodcast at gmail.com. Music from our episode is from Mix On, and you can find them at bandcamp.com. Thanks to our producer, Kayleen, and Studio Hall for the recording space. Like, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you listen. This week's episode is sponsored by Danny Hall Photography. You can find him on Instagram at Danny Hall 11.